What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Uglin and Ronnie Flores in studio, a.k.a. The Closet in Irvine, bringing to you another episode here. Ronnie, I'm, I'm glad you survived both those earthquakes this past weekend. Um, a little bit of a surprise there, huh? Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> um, you know, the first one, it's like, okay, is, there, is, is my place in Vegas really shaking? What, what <laughs> are my little, like, you know, there's maybe some guys pounding like a maintenance man's yeah, yeah. on the building or something, or, you know, you're like, what's going on? And then uh, you realize, okay, yeah, it is shaking. Wow, that must be a big earthquake. So I knew right away it was somewhere in L.A. or somewhere in California. I never even really knew, to tell you the truth, that people felt earthquakes in Vegas. I know there's not really earthquakes in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you get a residual, obviously, if it's that big. But that was pretty big. And then the second one, uh, the summer league gets started. So everybody was interested <laughs> in seeing Zion and, and all that, you know, the hoopla the first day of summer league. And... It's interesting. The people that weren't were from LA, obviously a lot of people are from LA. They kind of left. They're like, "I'm out of here." Our buddy um, AJ Diggs. I saw people just taking off. Man. Yeah, they're just out. Like our buddy AJ Diggs, who used to coach at Poly, coaches uh, in the NBA uh, in the developmental league. He's you know involved with the NBA franchise. He's like, "I am running. I have got out of there." It was kind of funny, you know. And but people were from Vegas or from maybe came from other parts of the country. They were just like oh, looking at the ceiling, like, "What's happening?" Right. They just stood there frozen. So. <laughs> People from LA were gone. Like I'm out of this joint, you know. So yeah. Very interesting. I uh, felt I felt the first one. Uh, yeah. I was at my parents' house. Uh, that was Fourth of July, right? Yeah. Yeah. I sat morning. Down, yeah, I got, yeah. I got there. Morning. I sat on the couch. And I'm like, is it shaking in here? You yeah. know, like is it earthquake? And I saw the water popping out of the pool and all that. And I was like, oh yeah, it's for sure an earthquake. Second one, I didn't feel. I was walking yeah. to my car in Anaheim Hills. I didn't feel that one. Wow. Usually when you're outside, I guess it's you feel it a little less than you would if you're sitting there sitting inside. Correct. Because you, you don't know how things. the the hills are moving or where yeah, yeah. you know uh and you're in the public it's a lot different before you know? we get before we get into our, our live period talk when we're going to bring in a whole host of college coaches to kind of describe what they look for in prospects during the live period as it approaches here in the next couple of days ronnie what would you rather live in earthquake country hurricane country or tornado country uh, definitely earthquake country is no, that because you've ever been in yeah. a tornado or hurricane <laughs> no it's because i say you know me i like to have my stuff collect my stuff sure. i have programs, documents, Dodger <laughs> stuff. If that stuff got wiped out by like a hurricane or something, be I'd out. be devastated. Yeah. I would be like, Devin, no more podcasts. I'm like, mad I quit. I'm out of here. Like I just <laughs> I would be like a vagabond somewhere like right, right, pissed right. off talking about I used to watch basketball. I don't want to <laughs> lose anything I have. So like an earthquake kind of shakes your house, maybe damages it a little bit if it's really bad, but like you your stuff is intact for the most part it's intact yeah you know, unless it goes be, through a sinkhole or something which yeah, doesn't really happen yeah, very often but yeah yeah i agree i mean i've never been in a tornado out anything, never you know? been in a tornado or a hurricane so or a major hurricane so uh yeah i'm, a, I'm gonna stick with earthquakes for but sure. uh so let's let's get into this ronnie the first live period first and really only club team live period of uh this july and we've talked about it many we talked, times yeah we talked about this in an earlier pod 11th through the 14th which starts this thursday starts this thursday um it's a big change from what we're used to. Usually there's two in July or three. It would be, it'd be three, three previously, yeah. and you go to various places. And um, if you're not a top prospect or you're not a prospect that knew of these changes your coaches didn't know, this is it. These four days are it. I've talked to some players who um, didn't know about the NCAA camps, which kind of were put in place, as we talked about before, because of the changes they wanted to make. The Those FBI are replacing investing. that second live period. Correct. Well, and then they're, and the they're falling in yeah. the third. Well, the second is now just dead. Right. You know, the second week, quote-unquote, is now just dead. So 
a lot of people didn't know about it. You know, we have the we, the list have come out of the players who are going to play, and it's it's a smorgasbord random. And then USA Basketball released the seventy five guys who's going to play in their in their event, yep, yep. which is live for coaches for the top and players. Scouts. Right. It's just for top players in in various classes. You know, they have a few players in each class, and um, you know, it's 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 good. It's it's good for them, but it doesn't help the middle tier guy as as we talked about or, or, or we, we mentioned. So this week is very important for players that are mid-level players, maybe D2 players, players that are trying to get to D1, and they got four days to show it. So we wanted to, for this part, we wanted to bring on some coaches to talk about maybe what they're looking for to give people some some perspective of the overall general because it's a, a smaller window for them, for the lower-level coaches, because obviously they're not going to go after – um, some of the players that are at USA Basketball. Right, so. Ronnie, that's a, that's a perfect segue here to our first uh, guest, Coach Damian Hill from Cal Poly Pomona, a Division II program out here in, in Southern California. Coach Hill, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Not a problem. So, Coach, first let's lead off with um, this is a new live period format, um, less time for kids to get seen. What, what are your first thoughts? What's the first takeaways from this new format so far? Well, I liked it in June. Um, I really like seeing kids play with their uh, high school teams. Um, you, I think you get a better, uh, little better view of how they play in front of a more structured format. Sure. And that stuff. Um, and then you know, now you get the chance to see them play with their AU teams, uh, you know, a month later. So I like it so far. Uh, we'll see how the camp situation works out, you know, towards the end of the month and how that's going to be formatted. But, um, I think the NCAA's done a pretty good job so far. Perfect, Damien. And next question for you. Um, what are some things as a Division II guy um, you look for in a potential player to come to your program? I know, you know, these days Division One is kind of the dream, and then uh, you guys have to play the waiting game with certain prospects to see if their Division One uh, offers come, or if they don't, then you can kind of get them later. Um, what's the process like for you in evaluating talent? Well, the first thing we do, we just try to recruit good players, and they have to make a decision whether they think they're a Division One guy or if they're going to get recruited Division One or not. Yep. Um, I think you think you can make a lot of mistakes if you don't recruit a guy because you think he's a D one guy or getting certain D one attention at a certain time. You just have to recruit good players and see where they land. And at times with us, you know, we might recruit a guy and he may not work out for us and go Division One, but. You know, things don't work out a couple of years later with how much kids are transferring these days. You may be able to get that kid on a bounce-back situation. For sure. Um, so, that's, so that's the first thing. We just want to recruit good players. And, you know, good players, we just look at guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot. Um, you got to be able to do those things. Um, the era of the unskilled, just super athletic guy is kind of dying out unless that guy's a seven-footer. Yep. Um, and that can just uh, block shots and it's going to be a pick and roll guy but the era where guys you can't have skill and survive on a basketball court um it's kind of dying out now so you know we want to get guys that can dribble pass and shoot and at worst we want to get guys that can do two of those three things they got to be able to do two of those three things at worst um so that's kind of what we look for um obviously you want the unteachables the size the athleticism and all of that stuff but you know it's you know, you got to have guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot and can have a good feel for the game. Biggest thing for us, and, and that play hard. Kind of those things that, are, you know, kind of get lost a little bit because kids are playing so many games now. 
whether it's AAU or with their high school teams, like playing hard is a, is a skill nowadays. Yep. It really is. Yep. It's not something you can take for granted anymore. Yep. Um, Coach Hill, this is Ronnie here. Um, do you feel a little pressure in terms of trying to nail where you're going, how much time you're going to spend at certain events? Because you don't have three periods to, to look and to look again. You know, you got this Thursday through Sunday, and you got to figure out, okay, am I going to be down in, in, in Momentus? Am I going to be in Vegas? Am I going to be at Adinos' event? You know, how are you navigating that? And does it feel like, man, I, you know, do you feel any pinch there because you just don't know how the camps are going to go at the end of the month? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um, you know, we've been having those discussions daily for the last, you know, week or so about where we're going to be at and trying to find out where kids are going to be. And a little bit of it, some of the AAU coaches are a little confused on some things as well. Um, you know, especially with the camp situation that's at the end of the month. You know, we're talking to a lot of coaches. A lot of kids don't even know how to register for those kind of camps or whether they've been invited or not. Um, so I think there's a lot of confusion with the camps, especially at the end of the month. Um, you know, that's why I said earlier, waiting to see how that works out. But, you know, with so many, um, you know, AAU events here in, in Southern California, we're kind of fortunate a little bit because all the events aren't too far from each other, so you can kind of bounce around some. Um, but the biggest thing, especially for our area, is you just got to sit and watch. Um, and, you know, you may find a diamond in a rough here or there, and then, you know, you sit and watch, you don't find somebody, now you can cross that team or, you know, player off your list and move on to the next guy. So, you know, I think we're a little fortunate being at the Division II layer. We can get out a little more than Division One can. So it's not as much pressure on us to make sure we, you know, we see a kid. Um, but, you know, you got to be smart about it and you got to do your homework and you got to have good connections on who's playing where and who you need to watch and what your needs and wants are. Coach, you mentioned that Division II programs are able to get out more than Division ones are as far as the NCAA schedule and calendar allows them to. Uh, Ronnie and I see you and Coach Matt Okada at just about everything um, out here, whether it's a high school summer league, a you know, small club event, big club event. Um, you guys put the work in. And <clears throat> I, I kind of want you to explain how little of a difference there is between a high-level D2 program, as you guys are yourself in the CCAA, and you know, a, a lower-to-mid D1 program. I mean, the, the level of basketball is not too much different between those those levels of play? Yeah, the only big difference I see is, you know, what I mentioned before, kind of the unteachables. Sure. The, you know, the size and athleticism, basically. Where at our level, you may get a 6'3 guy that's really highly skilled and dribble pass and shoot. But, you know, at D1, maybe that guy may be 6'5 and weigh another 15 to 20 pounds. Okay. At times. I think that's what you see a little more um, with that kind of stuff. Um, Because I think D1s, you know, I want to speak for those guys. I think they err on the side of athleticism a little more than we do at our level. If that if that makes sense, they 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 have to have that size. Sure. Yeah, they got Yeah, they have to compete. They they just do because I mean, again, they're gonna they may have UCLA and SC on their schedule. Well, 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 we don't. So we can take a little, maybe a smaller size guy or a guy that's maybe not as athletic. But you get that guy, you know, two or three years, you know, in a good program where he's lifting and working hard and he's playing a lot. Now, two years down the line, you know, that guy may be on the same level as that guy that may have been a little bit more athletic and had a little bit more size than him three years prior who may have went to a program where he's not just getting on the floor as much. Sure. 
think that's where, you know, a high-level D2 program may be able to catch up to some of these lower-level programs at times. Gotcha. And again, as I mentioned earlier, this is the turnover rate mm-hmm. at, some of these, at some of these programs. I mean, the transfer numbers go up every year. So you're talking about these programs, on average, you're losing three or four players a year. Crazy as a coach to think you're losing that, and we're not even talking about guys that are graduating and moving on out of, uh, without eligibility. Right, right, right. Coach, um, because of the the new system implemented, because of the FBI scandal and whatnot, um, obviously there's less days. Especially some kids, their team didn't go to Section Seven. Then, like you said, they didn't know how to sign up for the camp, or they were they didn't know about the camp, or they were ignorant to the process, and they didn't get invited to USA. So that could be a big blow for them where this could be the only week where they have uh, action to be in front of coaches. Do you think that opens up the door for you guys a bit at the D2 level where kids are just going to be completely missed? Or do you think that just creates more uncertainty and there's going to be even more kids transferring? Yeah, I think think it's going to be both, Um, honestly. um, You know, I know a lot of kids who, you know, they played in a spring that open weekend. And now they're only playing in this one, and that's the only time they're going to get seen. And then you have other kids who were able to, you know, play in a section seven and do some other things who are, um, you know, getting looked at a little more um, by these D1s. And, and like you said, my biggest thing, and um, Debbie, you mentioned about myself and Coach Okada being out so much, um, I don't think you can watch enough mm-hmm. with these kids because, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 15 to 18-year-olds. They're going to have bad days. Sure, yep. And, and bad games. They, they just are. Um, they might not have eaten lunch that day or something, or, you know, all they had was the Doritos and a Pepsi before they played one game. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's going to affect their, their performance. It, it just is. Um, so now, you know, you only get to see them play maybe twice over a weekend, um, one weekend in the summer. Now you may, may make a bad evaluation of, of a kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think um, – there's misses on how good a kid is sometimes, but sometimes there's misses on a kid not performing as well. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah you know, so I don't. He, that, that's the that's the thing I think gets missed a little bit. Because again, we, everybody knows who the better players on the courts are, but sometimes if the kid doesn't have a bad game, it may need to be in a different setting or a different day that looks well. And I think that's for you know people on my my level, the Vision Two level kind of swoop in and get a kid at times and and you guys know you guys are out at everything you guys know who's gonna who's gonna work out and who isn't and who's been missed um more so than a lot of us coaches do we try to uh we try to be as much as possible coach hill we appreciate you coming on and spreading some knowledge to to everyone who listens and uh we'll see you later this week man all right you guys have a good one thanks for the time i appreciate it yes sir thanks coach hill ronnie it, it it's a good point by coach hill is is the fact that uh, D2s get a lot more oh, time yeah, to they evaluate. Can go to a lot of they can go to a lot of stuff. And they do. The ones, the hardworking ones, the ones that want to move up, the ones that want to, you know, get the best bang for their buck with these players, they, they are going to get out. And like I said, uh, the other night I talked to a guy who's getting, being recruited um, by the level of like Oregon State, Washington State. Right. Um, you know, that level, low Pac-12, and his parents didn't know anything about the NCAA West Camp at Grand Canyon. Okay. So he's not going, um, you know, so it, it uh, very interesting, you know, 
again, his team did go to Section 7, so lucky for him, he was able to get some looks. It, it worked out good, and his parents told me, yeah, he his recruiting has picked up from Section 7. If you're a good player, your recruiting recruitment has picked up from Section 7 because it was such a good opportunity, and they, like like Coach Hill said, you got to see him in a, in a high school setting, which they want to see a little more. So like we said, hopefully that continues to go well. Hopefully they expand it. Hopefully other states um, jump aboard on the West, and hopefully they find a way to work together where they're not just uh, taking from each other. Hopefully one can go one weekend, or there's going to be some kind of qualifying for the second weekend so it works out. Because Section 7 was good, but the, f- the fear is right now that it's a one-hit wonder because everybody's going to start one, and then it's going to be fragmented. Yeah. It, yeah. Hopefully hopefully we were discussing this with, with a couple people this weekend at Dino's All-West Camp is maybe it's like a, yeah. a regional thing. So. Yeah. One weekend there, you know, there's tournaments in various states. Arizona, sure. if California ends up yeah. uh, certifying them as they yeah. should, yeah. we have one in California, and then one in Washington, and yeah. teams in Oregon playing that one or whatever. And then you have a, that's like a regional qualifier. And then the next weekend you have something in one of the states where it's a all the state, winners yeah. and a big gym in one bracket yeah. and all yeah. the consolation bracket, and then have a full like you know. Then you can have all the states playing against each other. That would be pretty cool. That's a pretty cool concept. Yeah, that would be great. You know, obviously it takes some coordination. It takes some cooperation. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, the states don't they worry about themselves. So, you know, again, um, as as Coach Hill said, he is a little. They are on a little crunch. They got to figure out where they're going this week. Like he said, he's going to be here mostly. You know, between the three events in Southern California, and then you know some teams are going to Vegas. Quite frankly, I don't see why. Teams are going to Vegas. I mean, right now, it's just <laughs> right. you're making a coach force you to go out there when he can see a lot more in LA. There's three events, and even three events is a lot. Now, four events, and then you got the shoe companies in Alabama, right. which is Adidas, and you got Peach Jam, Nike. So it, it's all ki- over the place. Yeah, man. some kids are not going to be seen. It's just the way it is, you know, or you're going to be spending time in the airport or trying to figure out. And if he's a secondary on their list, they're going to say, well, we can't make it. We, we can't make it. that game. Let's right. go get a lunch. Right. Or so, you know, we got to. Get I think to the airport. I think we got a guy in the line whose secondary player will probably be seen, and UC Irvine assistant coach Ryan Battertelli. Coach Battertelli, you're going to be in Atlanta this weekend. Um, I'm wishing you the best in your travel. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to good to be here. Good to always good to be around you guys. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> if you're around me, if, at, least, at least around Ronnie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if you're going to be around me this week, it's probably going to be in Southern California, where maybe you don't want to be because you're going to be in Atlanta. Coach Battertelli, what do you look for in a prospect? Take out, you know, guys who are on your list already, who you're already recruiting. What catches your eye on a guy who maybe be unknown to you that makes you think, hey, maybe we should recruit this guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you're when you're going out initially, I think the first thing that obviously can catch your your eye is, you know, just you know the things that you just naturally see as a coach. You know, the, you know whether they dribble, pass, shoot, things like that. But then on top of that, you take a closer look and you know, and you look at a kid's body and see, you know, is it a body that's maybe has a chance to develop more? Um, does he have length? Does he have size? Um, you know, how does he move? I mean, little things like that 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 on top of, you know, the kind of the basic basketball ability that I said before, I mean, you look at it and you go, wait a second, you know, is this a kid that, you know, maybe has a chance to develop and, and get better? And I think, you know, seeing some of those guys, um, you know, kind of open your eyes a little bit to what may be there in the future, you know, especially if you're in a program that really puts a, um, 
you know, high standard on player development and, you know, guys that, you know, continue to get better. I mean, you look at guys like that and then, and then you do a little more research and you go, okay, how old is this kid? You know, is he going to be a 17 year old senior or is he 19 already? I mean, you know, and that gives you a little bit of a, um, you know, kind of a glimpse of what their future may hold, how much development is still there maybe with their body and things like that. And I think those are, those are some of the things that you kind of, you know, start, you know, peeling back the layers a little bit and go, okay, well, you know, this is a kid who may have a chance to be, end up being really, really good. Um, so I think initially those are the things that you look at, you know, right away, um, you know, as you start looking at prospects. Coach, I think you guys do a really good job at UC Irvine of the player development, of identifying maybe the underrated talent, especially in Southern California with guys like Evan Leonard, Yasu Worku, Tommy Rutherford, guys who go underappreciated. Uh, how did you how did you guys develop that kind of path at UC Irvine? Um, and what makes you so confident in your guys' ability to player develop? Is it putting in the time with the players? Yeah, I think I mean just just being able to be committed to to putting in time. I mean, you know, and also recruiting guys that, that have a passion for it. I mean, you know, with you know what you guys do all the time, you guys are on the road all the time, and these kids are playing every single weekend. And you try to figure out, you know, what makes a kid tick. It, you know, is it their parents that are pushing them? Is it their high school coach? Is it their club coach? Or do they really love it? I mean, do they want to come in the gym every day and get better and, and are able to kind of look down the line and say, hey, this is what I want to do, you know, three, four years from now. And obviously you try to start with small goals and say, hey, how can we, you know, change your body? How can we, you know, develop your game? How can we do things like that? But let's let's look at, you know, two, three years down the line and see what you want to accomplish and, and what you want to do while you're here and, and trust trust the fact that we're going to help you kind of get along that way. And, um, you know, so that's a big part of it is, is really recruiting guys from, from families and, you know, and, and they have a mentality that, you know, this is, you know, I, I really love it. You know, I'm passionate about this because I tell kids all the time, I tell parents all the time, if you're not absolutely in love with the game, you're not going to make it at the college level. You're just not because of how much is put on the guys. You know, you talk, you talk about the academic component, which is obvious in school. And then you talk about practices and you talk about, you know, weight, weight sessions and things like that. You know, freshmen that come into college, they have no idea how much of a toll it takes on your body. And then that, you know, kind of chips away at your mentality. And, um, you know, so guys that aren't, you know, mentally strong to handle those things and are really passionate about the game, they struggle. And, and so you're able to see kind of a ceiling kind of lower on a guy, you know, whereas the guys that are able to kind of push through and are really passionate about it and are able to kind of trust, you know, really trust the process. I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but trust it. Those are the guys who just keep getting better. Yep. Uh, coach, um, I, t- I saw you at um, Section 7. We obviously saw a couple games. We were talking about various guys, but are you guys a little concerned that you're not going to see as much as you want to in July just because maybe kids are ignorant to the process? They didn't know about the camps, and you're not, we're not sure how the camps are going to format and how they're going to go. Or do you guys feel you have a good bearing of what you're looking at? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think, you know, just because of the change of the format, I think a lot of kids were, you know, just unaware of the process as far as getting into the camp. So it, I think it hurt some of the kids' ability to kind of have the exposure in July that they normally do. And essentially, we're talking about one AAU weekend, which is this coming weekend. And so the kids, you know, I heard you guys talking about earlier, I mean, you know, it's so widespread and you're going to have to prioritize and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's going to be some kids that don't get seen and the ones that, you know, 
weren't either nominated for the camp, they didn't nominate themselves or didn't get voted in or whatever, they, you know, they don't have maybe the exposure that they normally would. Um, I think it mostly affects us for the future classes because a lot of times we try to, you know, especially with, you know, you know, like our recruiting guys on our staff, we start moving on to 2021, 2022, because we have a pretty good grasp of 2020 or the current class. And, um, and so I think that hurts that a little bit more, just, just as being, you know, as, as short as it is and as widespread as it, is, it doesn't give you a chance to really focus on some, some younger kids um, as you move forward. Um, but I feel like we have a pretty good grasp. But again, I think a lot of people weren't knowledgeable about just the setup um, and I think college coaches weren't either. You know, it was a lot of college coaches I talked about that said, well, I didn't know when this deadline is. I didn't know this and that. And so we didn't – like our job as coaches a lot of times is to educate, you know, these parents and these families as far as what, you know, what's going on. And I think a lot of college coaches weren't really aware, um, you know, and so we weren't able to educate properly, which is a part of our role in recruiting is educating players on the recruiting process, whether we're recruiting them or not. That's, that's what we got to do as college coaches is to help these prospects and their families really, you know, have a good grasp of, of the landscape of the whole thing. Coach, last thing for you before we let you go here. Uh, Irvine is kind of one of the, the anomalies in college basketball where you recruit uh, skilled big men, and that, that position really isn't dead for you as, as far as true posts go. You got the guys like Rutherford, as I mentioned earlier, Jonathan Galloway, Colin Velp is an extremely skilled big. Um how have you guys been able to, I guess, expose that um, when other programs may not be able to, to find that? Well, I think first you got to be committed to it. I mean, you can't say, hey, I want to be big and not be committed to what that really means that you are. And I think it first starts with how we, how we defend. Um, you know, we put a premium on defending and rebounding, especially with, you know, our scheme defensively. And so we've really prioritized things. I think, uh, you know, a guy like Jonathan Galloway is a great example, a guy who went, in our opinion, really under-recruited and ends up being, you know, three-time defensive player of the year in our program and is, you know, just a winning player. And so that kind of goes back to what you're looking for in guys. You know, does a guy impact winning? And, you know, and I think that that's, you know, again, philosophically how we've kind of figured out how we want to build our defenses. We build them with, with big guys and guys that defend and rebound. I mean, Coach Turner says all the time, a big guy that doesn't rebound is like a guard that can't dribble. And so when you're looking at prospects and you're looking at things, I mean, a lot of guys are really critical about, you know, can a guy shoot or can he do, you know, do certain things or is he, you know, over, he's too overweight or this and that, whatever. If he's got good hands. If he's got defensive instincts, if you got rebounding instincts, we can build on that. And so, um, especially because of the way we play and it's more about defense than it is offense. And I think inherently our guys end up being, you know, becoming better offensive players just through our system and how we play because we play in pick and roll and play in post up. And, and so be, making that a priority is, has created, you know, kind of an identity for ourselves as far as being big, um, you know, and, you know, obviously you need guards to be able to play with those guys and guards that can shoot and guys, guards that can play pick and roll. So, you know, again, going back to your point of, you know, what do you look for in your recruit? It's all about your roster. It's all about what fits you. It's all about what fits your head coach. And, you know, shoot, for me, I've said all along, I can like a kid up and down and, 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 you know, like the way he plays and want to coach him, but it doesn't matter what I like. It, it, you know, does he fit our head coach? Does he fit our style? Does he fit what we do? Because then you set up your kid for success. Otherwise, you're bringing him in a situation where he's, you know, kind of behind the eight ball. And I think that all kind of fits together in how you go about your business. Coach Battertelli, a wealth of knowledge, and I appreciate, we appreciate your time. Best of luck this week in finding the next eater. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. And you guys, uh, safe travels on the road. Likewise. Thanks, Coach.
Coach Ryan Battertelli. I mean, yeah, that's they did really a great job. good stuff. UC Irvine, uh, perennial Big West Conference favorites, sure. win the conference. You know, they were close to really doing making a big splash in this tournament. I yeah, mean, they, they, were just they beat Kansas State in the first round. Yeah, uh, fell to right, Oregon in the second round. They were right there. They you were know, right a couple there. possessions away. Yeah, and if they would have had that second week of media publicity, you know, that kind of thing, and they they have a great program. They've done a, they've done a great job. Uh, like you said, they get players that. Maybe other teams in the Big West don't want, or they don't see the the value of sure. them. Sure, or even done, players in the Pac-12 level don't see. Yeah, yeah, they you know they they do a good job. Um, you know they know what it seems like. Ryan's pretty calm. They know what they're looking at. The, the you know even though there's been the changes, they they kind of ha- have an idea. And like like I said, I talked to him again in Section Seven. You know they they they're locked in on their guys and like what Coach Turner likes and what works for them. So yeah, you yeah. know some schools like you said like the. Get the you know the prospect that maybe they'll take a, a flyer on a chance on because he like you said like Coach Hill said he has the measurables right or he jumps well right he's long he's right. big and sometimes that works sometimes that doesn't yeah you know um, so that's very interesting and we're gonna we're gonna follow up Coach Battertelli at UC Irvine with our next head coach uh, assistant coach from the Big West John Riley of UC Santa Barbara Coach Riley thanks for joining us no problem glad I could uh, get the call up. Hey man, loosen up. You sound you sound a little you're a little quiet. Loosen up, baby. Come on. <laughs> Trust me, I'm loose. <laughs> loose loose with a three point shot as you were back in your playing days at Gonzaga and then in the NBL and Australian Professional League. But coach, you were a junior college prospect, am I right? A walk on to that degree as well. A walk on junior college to <laughs> Gonzaga. How how did that work? Give us because junior college is really slept on now, so Take us through that process and how that really helped you uh, as a player. Yeah, look, uh, coming coming from Australia, I was just purely looking for an opportunity. Uh, so I finished high school. I worked for a couple of years. So I had saved up enough money to pay my own way. I uh, went to Tacoma Community College up in Washington. Uh, just walked on. You know, I, I had no idea what to expect. I just... Uh, thought America was the land of opportunity as far as <laughs> basketball, so I, I showed up to PE class, which was actually the basketball class, and there was 30-something guys there. I'm like, well, i got to beat the odds here, and uh, by the end of the season, those 34, 36 guys at the original practice was whittled down. I think we finished the season with eight guys on our roster, so I, I had the full Juco experience, but I had plenty of playing time, so that's what afforded me the opportunity to get to Gonzaga after one year. Nice. And coach, how does that experience help you in now at UC Santa Barbara in recruiting guys? And and maybe you don't want you're not going after those particular guys that are like at a JUCO walking on and didn't know what they're doing. But it just how does how does that help you identify guys that maybe want a little more, are going to stick it out, or going to fit a system? Something that you just see and that that works for you guys at at your level. Yeah, well, look, I think one of the things that you have to try and figure out and identify is how, how bad does the kid want it himself? You know, if if uh, if a kid has parents and then he has a trainer and then he has a coach and another coach and then a guy that thinks he's got all the answers for the kid, that that's all well and good. But if the kid doesn't have the drive or the desire himself, it, it's never going to work. There's going to be a breaking point at some stage. So... Uh, really, really finding out about a kid and what what drives them, uh, I think, really separates themselves over time. So many kids uh, and and people in their corner become impatient with it all. 
Um, you know, I know I've discussed it with uh, Devin and the likes of yourselves, is if, if your end goals to play for money after college, why do you get so enamored with your sophomore year of high school? Interesting you point. Know, yeah. Like, yeah, it's an interesting point. You, you, you know, like, if, 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 you, if your career becomes your best year was your sophomore year in high school, your career is not going to last very long. Right, right. You know, and we've so seen that. Yeah. You, 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 what, what is the long picture? And that's like when I'm out on the road uh, recruiting, obviously you got to find a mixture and a blend that suits your roster, your head coach, and your school. Um, but then also you got to be mindful and have the foresight to go, you know what, how's this kid going to be in three, four years' time? You know, because it, it's, it's not necessarily about the here and the now. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Coach, I'm going to pose a hypothetical situation to you. You walk into a gym, you don't know any of the teams, don't know the players, they're not on your recruiting list, they're not on your big board or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you sit down, you watch the game, what are the first three things you look for? Uh, how, how, how engaged in the game are they? Okay. Um, what, what is, on, on their worst day, what are they still going to be able to do to impact the game? Okay. Um, and then, obviously, if you got an elite level skill, that should that should come to the forefront pretty quick. Okay. Um, yes. Of the of the elite level skills that you've seen, what what do you got? What do you put a premium on the most at this point, uh, in, in kind of the way basketball is moving towards? Shooting, rebounding, passing. Okay. Why those things? Uh, it, it it doesn't matter where I drop you off. If you can do one of those things or two or three of those things, you'll be able to function in a game anywhere, any place, anytime. Okay. Okay. What what are your thoughts so far? Did you go to section seven? First of all, did you go to section seven? What were your thoughts on on way that, the way that's run and the the way everything's set up now um, with a new live period schedule? Yeah. Look, uh, I I thought that was a very well run event. Um, you know, you, you look. We watched a lot of games that weekend. I can't think of too many games that you were considered a blowout or, or like, an, an, it was a game that was unworthy of you being there to watch. I think it, it was good because you got you, for us at our level, it, it was a great event to evaluate and and to see. And I left there feeling very good about what that was about. Yeah, coach, uh, that makes sense. Um... You know, for for this upcoming upcoming week, you know, uh, is it more of a situation where because of the time crunch and because there's not a second week and we're not sure how the camps are going to go, you got guys got to kind of focus on who who's on your priority, or are you going to have a chance to maybe look at a secondary guy that that somebody either told you to recommend or you just want to have a hunch that hey, he might he might fit what we're doing? You know, what what do you what do you feel about this upcoming week? Yeah, look, I can only speak for myself and how I operate. You're obviously uh, going to target your priority guys. Uh, you know what you're looking for in 2020, hopefully. Uh, so targeting your top guys, but then I guess I always have, you know, my list of people uh, have recommended to me where I mightn't have got to see the kid in his high school year or in the spring. Um so I, I appreciate people giving me the heads up on people that they feel like maybe a little undervalued. Um, so going 
going to the back gym at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I'm all about that. So uh, you, you definitely go with your priorities because they're the kids that you probably have the best relationship with, you feel the best about as far as their game and where they fit with everything you're trying to do. Um, but then, look, you know, recruiting, evaluating isn't an exact science. So have, having the opportunity to get eyes on kids, um, you know, that have, haven't have been afforded the opportunity to this point, you need to go and, you know, respect what those kids are about. So I appreciate when guys like you guys send, send a text and say, hey, you might want to check out this kid, you know, because... Uh, we, we do, you, you know, tie, tie, every, everyone is, you know, in a time crunch. So being able to sift through some of that and uh, go and lay eyes on as many kids as possible is, is a great thing. Coach, really, I'm sure you'll be getting plenty of texts from me and Ronnie this weekend as we're in Southern California checking out some, some talent on three different events. We appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, I appreciate it, and I uh, hope I filled your time adequately. I don't know. It's kind of weak. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Coach. <laughs> All right, man. Yep, I'll talk to you later. See you. Bye. Oh, John, really? He's a good one, man. He yeah, always he has a good one-liners. He, you know. Yeah, he's a he's one of the best dudes. He's he's watched a, as much basketball as a Division One guy can, can watch. Him yeah. and, and Ryan Battertelli are two of the guys who watch the most from the guys who I've seen locally. Uh, they, they they do a fantastic job uh, recruiting at their respective levels. Um, something I thought he brought up that was interesting is, is kind of his journey, Ronnie. He walked on to a junior college <laughs> Didn't in know what PE class. I mean, yeah. you know, he saved enough money to get over here from Australia. I mean, imagine a kid these days doing that. It, it won't yeah. happen. Well, it's, I kind of, when he talks about that, obviously he, he was a great player. If you can go look at his highlights, they're all on, on Twitter. On yeah, you YouTube. can find his highlights. And you know, He's a great shooter, but he could pass that thing too. Yeah. And well, the thing is, you it's funny because a guy like Dirk Nowitzki, you know, he was going to go to Cal. Sure, yeah. You know, because he said it's a great opportunity. They know foreign players. They had a couple other foreign players at the time about 20 years ago. And then he blew up at the Nike Hoop Summit, and, and like, the rest is history. He's an NBA MVP, and he's a finals MVP, you know. So, really, maybe he's not quite a player Dirk Nowitzki, but it's the same kind of the opportunities there. So, I mean, he made a great opportunity. So, I know he likes to look for guys that sometimes other coaches are like, nah, I'm going to go over here to the main gym, or I'm going to – you know, this guy plays for Fairfax. This guy plays for, uh, you know, uh, Belmont Shore. This guy plays for, you know, an EYBL team. They kind of stick to that. Where really is not. He'll do that. okay, yeah. He really does go to the eight AM games. Yeah, he does. And, and and look for okay, you know, I saw that kid run. I saw that kid. He know. doesn't just speak yeah. about going to the to the eight AM. Yeah, a lot gyms. of coaches he, do that. Right. He goes to them and he's there yeah. with coffee in hand or whatever. And I think uh, him teaming with. Coach Joe Pasternak, who's the head coach at Santa Barbara, who was a, a big-time assistant at the University of Arizona for a long time under Coach Sean Miller, yeah. they got dudes there. Yeah. And now that the UC Santa Barbara team is filling up with not only skill guys and IQ guys that really finds, but the guys that Pasternak identifies as like maybe big-time guys who are falling below the radar, and they're right. one of the, the top teams in the Big West Conference. And that's yeah. an interesting little mix they have going there. Yeah, it's a good dynamic because obviously Pasternak's dealt with you know, the Brandon Ashley's, the, you know, those type of guys, you yeah, know, Stanley uh, Johnson. Johnson yeah. yeah. Those type of guys. And, and really is coming from the other end well, of the was spectrum. Boise State before that. Yeah. So he's dealing with and he got some great recruits there. Um, you know, oh, Chandler, Chandler Hutchinson, Hutchinson yep. you know, uh, did very well. Just there. Danny and Jessup still there. Really yeah. good point guard out of, out of Colorado. 
Uh, they got a bunch of good guys. Derek Alston the, yeah. from Chicago. He's an underrated guy. He was an all-conference player. So the parents or the coaches or the kids listening to the pod should take note that guys are coming from various backgrounds, so you just never know what they're looking for. So you always want to give your best effort and, you know, that kind of thing. I think sometimes in these dead periods, we're in a, we were in a dead period this last week. I wasn't particularly enthralled with what I saw, and I don't think you were either. Right. So, you right. Know, it was, it, yeah, the, the quality of play was pretty bad. Uh, speaking of rich basketball history, uh, Jason Hart, assistant coach at USC on the line here. Coach Hart, thanks for joining us. What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Uh, man, thanks. we're chilling, man. We're, we got this hot-ass box that we're sitting in here. Uh, what's okay. going on with you? Okay. Um, nothing much, man. I'm about to just get my last little uh, outfits to go recruit. Outfits? What? Are you dressing up, bro? <laughs> Well, you know, when we go recruit, we can't look raggedy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that won't be attractive to the kids, so we got to have some fresh Nikes on and a nice polo. What's, uh, what, what's the shoe lineup for, for this weekend? Air Max. Air Max, different color Air Max, and a polo. Okay. That's what that, yeah, all right, so that's, all right. That's normally how guys recruit. Peace Jam, the gyms are pretty cold, so you got to wear slacks or, or sweats. Got you, got you. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you, Coach. This is Ronnie. Um, because you got the one week... And obviously, you could see Section Seven. Um, are what's your schedule for a, a Pac-12 assistant coach right now? Like, are you going to be able to go to Alabama? Or are you going to find your way back to LA? You know, what what is your focus? Well, right now, you we we got uh, one coach going to Alabama, uh, one coach going to Under Armour, and the other coaches, the other two coaches, will be at Nike. So what we try to do as a staff, I mean, we probably work different than everybody else, but, well, the same. We try to just, with the one-week period, we have to really focus on our 2020 classes. And mm-hmm. then if you have break, breaks in between, you can start getting ahead by, by locating uh, your 2021s. But right now, you're focusing on 2020 and, and letting them know that you want them really bad. And then from there you go to uh, try to schedule official visits. Okay. So you know, I can't, unfortunately, we want to recruit our 21s and even 22s, but we got to let our 20s know that you're our priority right now because 20 comes before 21 and 22 gotcha. in terms of numbers. Got you. What right. of a guy that you want to let know, like, hey, we want you, We, you know, you fit our program well, what are the, the attributes they have uh, that draw you to them and wanting them to come play for you? What, what do you look for? Well, obviously passion, uh, desire to play basketball, and does winning matter to you? And if winning matters to you, you you know, you won't be trotting back on defense. You won't be uh, shooting stupid-ass shots. You'll be trying to have impact on winning. And for us, man, in recruiting, I tell my own son this, and, and when, when you recruit a kid, this is how I keep my job. This is how we pay our bills. So when I recruit somebody, it's a serious thing for me. I'm looking at how you deal with your teammates, bad attitude. I'm looking at everything other than basketball because I know you're good, but I, I look at the other stuff once we know your talent is uh, is good enough. That makes sense. Uh, Coach, in, in this week, because of the different format with all the things that happen and the changes, you guys are focusing on a 220. Is there any opportunity to – to look at a, a a guy who who's on your secondary list or or uh, the guy on the, the diamond in the rough or is it just because you just don't have much time right now, you know? Well, you're gonna always you right. That's a great question. You're gonna always look and find, try to find a diamond in your rough. Looking at a player and somebody else is gonna pop out at you. So for me, I always like to recruit. Um, 
obviously the guys you've been recruiting since they were sophomores, but you also got to go to the to, to, to lesser known tournaments because those kids have dreams as well. So I, I, I'm gonna go over to the P State. I'm gonna go over to the PIT, and then I'm gonna fly uh, fly out to Vegas from from Peace Jam. So I, I I try to just you know spread out, but it's tough because you can't get real evals when you spread out that much. Sometimes you just have to sit and watch. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. you played at every level at the highest level, Syracuse, you know, high level high school, Westchester, Englewood, and then in the NBA for what thirteen years? Am I wrong? I Dave, I played 10 years. Okay, all right. Well, I was trying to give you a little credit here, man. No, just just roll it, just roll with it. But uh, okay. um, what's the skill that you think uh, is kind of lost these days in basketball based on your experience at all three of those levels? You know what? I just thought that, like, with nowadays schedule for my, and I'm going to say when we play it was better. I hate when people do that. Mm-hmm. I just think that the kids nowadays play so many games that winning – doesn't like get the kids upset as it should do because you just oh we lost we play again or yeah. we just it's just so many games so I just think the the winning spirit kind of gets lost sometimes in, the, in in that in that whole mix of things because they just play so many games. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And coach, based on that, uh, let's say you're looking at a tenth grader or you're looking at a younger guy or somebody that's newer to your evals. What what stands out right away that he's a winner? And that he cares about winning, gives a shit. Well, you know, normally when you when you you're looking at a tenth grader, Ronnie, you you he he's playing for the right reasons. It's not until they start getting offers and everybody start mentioning their names on social media and when they change. So it's it's refreshing when you go find a younger kid who's just playing for all the right reasons. He's hustling. He's making extra pass. They only change when we tell them they're good. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's just a fact. Yeah. And so what, so what happens is those kids, rightfully so, they get offers. But sometimes if you offer a kid early, I may piss off a kid who's not as good now. And then when I try to come back to him when he's in 11th grade, a parent be like, man, y'all looked at Johnny. And y'all, you know what I mean? So, that, yeah. so it's slighted. So a lot of times the offers are sometimes not real. Um, they're just a way to, to keep a kid warm when you know you're not going to uh, show no eval or recruit them. Gotcha. So when recruiting young kids, it's very important that you kind of really know what you're recruiting because you don't want to give out like offers that are not real or for kids not good enough. Then you're just basically uh, uh, making another family mad um, for the future, and which we don't want to do. Right. It's like it's like playing a game in a way. You know, you got to kind of kind of kind of massage both sides of, of, of these kids these days, but. Coach, I want you to kind of give me your take on the impact social media has, not only um, on prospects, which you already touched on a little bit, but how you utilize that in your evaluation process. Because social media is a, is a big thing now, especially with mi- mixtapes and uh, uh, club coaches you know, pumping up their guys, giving their own evaluations of their players. How much do you take into stock stuff that, that's on social media? I mean, it, it's kind of hard to dig through. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Social media is a great thing because it gives out a lot of information and we get to find out who's who and where they're at. Okay. But it also it also can can hinder some kids, too, as well, because they be, they, they become consumed with the highlight, with um, seeing if somebody said about my name. So they be, start to believe that and that controls them. So if somebody say, hey, he'd have a good weekend. 
he didn't shoot it well or do something, that kid probably think his life is over. <laughs> so fast so, so fast forward to us guys, when they get to us and they don't have success as a freshman and they've been getting all the social media love, now we, the coaches, become the bad guys. We the haters. We the what's name. So it's a it's a catch twenty two. You know, I just pray kids get the real and understand that everybody's basketball journey is, is different and just keep getting better, the main thing. You know what I mean? But it's definitely affecting us in the transfer market as well. It, it, everything is, is a direct correlation. Yes, sir. Coach Jason Hart, we appreciate the time. Best of luck this weekend and safe travels, my friend. My guys, have a good one. All right, buddy. Thanks. I mean, he's yeah. been – Jason Hart's been in L.A., staple on the basketball scene for how long now, Ronnie? I mean, you for saw him in time. high school, right? Yeah, and, you know, he uh, grew up in Jesse Owens, playing at Jesse Owens Park in Watson. He went to Westchester. And, again, he was kind of a uh, not the guy they were talking about at the time. They were talking about Danny Walker, who was a shooter, and uh, he was in the same class. Well, high school did he go to? Danny went to, to, went to Westchester, and okay. he started as a freshman. At West, which is like wow, he started as a, and got a lot of time, and they had a really good team around him. And Jason kind of came on and um, was a very good player. And then his senior, he transferred to uh, to Inglewood, and he kind of was on that McDonald's cuss. He didn't play, and he played in the Round Ball Classic, and he was a top thirty to thirty five player. So he had the good perspective of not being the guy that everybody wanted to. Uh, you know, like as he mentioned, uh, kiss his ass and everything. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was on Shea Cotton at the time and right. Corey Benjamin. You know, okay. it was like, oh my God, these guys are so good. They can't miss. So I think that perspective worked out good for him. And then he did his four years at, at Syracuse. And again, he wasn't always the star, sure. you know, and um, he just did his time and went into the NBA. And it was the same thing. He, he was a, in, in a good franchise, mostly I think with the Spurs, and that worked out well. They were, always, they were on a winning, winning course, they were always winning. And, um, it was good for him. I mean, it gave him a good. It gave yeah. him a good perspective. He wasn't uh, jaded. You know, wasn't jaded as a as a tenth grader. Even though people knew him as a tenth grade, wasn't wasn't jaded. He wasn't know? all high. He wasn't hyped up. He wasn't yeah. one of the super hyped guys. And he wasn't one of the super hyped guys. I, I didn't see him in high school, obviously, because I was yeah six Ten. years old or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but as an NBA guy, when yeah. I watch a lot of NBA, yeah. still when I was younger or whatever, Jason Hart. The things that stood out to me about him was just IQ passing. He backed guys down the. Down the court, he had some back to the basket game. He had vision. He could hit a mid range sure. jumper, right? Those are all skill things that are things mentioned by all the coaches we had on today that are kind of lost these days. Yeah, exactly. He just knew how to play, knew how to get to his spot, wasn't rattled. Whether he was playing at a, a summer league game, or NBA playoff game, or at Syracuse, uh, he can get to where he needed to and do what the coach wanted him to do, basically. Right. And, and, and you know, we're missing that a lot right now. With some of the higher level kids we saw this weekend in All West, they get in half court or they get, and they're just not going anywhere. They're not, their game is falling apart. They're not out of play. Yeah, they're they're falling apart in the half court. So, um, you know, what he said had a lot of credence in terms of, you know, and Coach really brought up a good point because we're talking about you don't want your tenth grade year to be your best year. You want to you you want to peak early. Yeah, and that's kind of what we what he was saying. And we mentioned Shea, and we mentioned some of the other guys. And, um, you know, in in many retrospects, just to be honest, yeah, Shea did peak as a 10th grader. His sophomore year at, at Modern Day, he was the Division One State Player of the Year. They won the Division One title, which is like the high-level open title now. And I think Frank Burleson brought it up 
uh, where do you go from here? You don't. Yeah, where do you go you gotta, from here? Well, you got to win it yeah. again. You got to win it again, again as a and, senior. Uh, yeah. And then you got to take it to the next level. And it didn't happen that way. You know, whereas, again, Corey was coming up. He had a great Nike camp. Jason was coming up. Other guys were coming up. And, and, and it, you know, they chose the schools they did, and it, and it kind of worked out. Um, very interesting because le- you know it leads into yeah, our next seg- in, segue perfectly into the next because we're talking about now the some of the best players in the world and we talk about what happened the earthquake happened this weekend we had you know we're going into this live period what do people expect this upcoming week it's a crunched week you know you got to hit the evals right to get it right and hopefully the players there's a lot of pressure on them to play good sure especially if they're not going to the camps or if they're not one of the seventy three kids invited to the USA mini camp. Um, you know, another guy who kind of 10th grade year was like, wow. And we talk about how he did now. Uh, I think Shea was just that big and strong and, and, and you could just, how is this good? Is this guy this good? Six, five, two twenty. It's unbelievable. You know, he did have some shortcomings in terms of ball handling and shooting, but man, he, he can make it. And then the next guy we're talking about, Rodarno Sydney, cause we're talking about Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the big news over the weekend, obviously, is he kind of duped everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically, he decided to sign his free agent with the Los Angeles Clippers. He kind of goaded or kind of made it behind the scenes to get Paul George, another LA native, with him. Um, you know, I think all these experts, quote unquote <laughs> experts, just like we have all these quote unquote yeah. scouts. Air, and, Air Abraham. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, who is like, that guy? Fluffs out of nowhere, gets sixty thousand followers because he just keeps regurgitating yeah. other people's information or making yeah. stuff up, and yeah. people retweeting and believing him. Yeah, you'll uh, never hear me. Dork- Chris Broussard, Stephen yeah. A. Smith, they everyone had wrong. all the info. Yeah. Everybody was Jalen wrong. Ra- Jalen Rose. Rose was wrong. Yeah, they so. Again, they, they have a job to do, Devin, so they have to say something. They can't just say, well, I, I don't know nothing. I mean, You're not going to bring somebody on air for that. But it's okay to say, hey, I don't have a good read on this. I, this if, guy, I don't know this guy this well. As a, I, as a reporter, as someone who grew yeah. up a reporter, like yeah. Adrian Wojnarowski, he didn't really say anything or report anything on what, Leonard. What, only things that he knew, right? Yeah. Okay. And he knew nothing because nobody knew anything. So that's a that's an, a real reporter doing what real reporters are supposed to do. Then you have all these other guys who are just, just mouthing off in the mouth. Names, it's because yeah. what they're on TV, they have to do that, right? Or they're trying to get their social media following up. <laughs> yeah, who, or, whatever. You know, justify their job, what, whatever they're doing. Their quote unquote um, job, right? Yeah, you know, they have to they have to justify so, it up. Um, so I I never I wasn't that inv- interested in just wait till we pick. Yeah, What's the difference? Right, right. You know, I, again, we talk about it in the pod. We talk about the Lakers. Of God, they did all this mumbo jumbo. Um, you know, Toronto won the championship. So I always said the only thing I mentioned on social media about a week ago was that this guy is uh, has all the leverage. He can go back to Toronto, try to win another one, and still be the age Kevin Durant is now. Yeah. In two years, and then come to LA, right? Or he could come to LA now. He had all the leverage by winning the championship. It's you know Toronto, Toronto fans are not. Oh, we hate that guy. No, they're no, going to they be him the only championship. Brought him the only championship they ever had. So, you know, we talk about Rodarno Sydney. We talked about Kawhi Leonard. Ball is life. Uh, put out some social media um, highlights of of Kawhi in high school, and he he dunked over a guy, and he just ran straight drag down the court. He didn't he didn't chest bump. He didn't do anything. And uh, it's kind of his mantra. And, and, and I also put on um, some highlights about a few weeks ago that did really well on social media. I, I showed Kawhi playing against Dominguez at, at the Pangos Dream Classic, and he played the day after his father died. And many people 
you know, we heard about it. We're like, wow, this kid might sit out the rest of the season. Well, Coach Sweeney said, hey, take your time, come back. Got to remember, King was one of the best teams in the state that year. They were trying to get a, a you know, trying to do well in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they didn't want to uh, lose a bunch of games because Kawhi was sitting out. But they were going to give him as much time as they wanted to. And he ended up playing the next day. And then I think people were like, wow, they, I showed the video. He was guarding Jordan Hamilton. He missed some shots. It was great. You know, it was like, wow, this guy really does care. And he, he has a great character. I think that's what a lot of people, because most people hadn't seen that those highlights before until we put them out a couple weeks ago. Right. And a guy who was courtside for most of that, those highlights in, his, in Kawhi's high school career, uh, current Fountain Valley head coach, Deshaun Bryant, who was a... Uh, an assistant coach at, at ML King back when Kawhi Sweeney. was there for Coach Tim Sweeney. Coach Bryant, thanks for joining us, my friend. No problem. Thanks for having me. So give us a little little insight, background on what kind of guy Kawhi was in, at, at the high school level because a lot of people don't really know because he was super quiet. Well, Kawhi was just one of those guys where he just stayed in the gym. I mean, it, it wasn't too much. He wasn't really a mystery guy. He was just a business guy in my mind. But, like, for him – he just always kept to himself. He had a circle of friends that he just kind of hung around the whole time. And they kept him grounded. And, of course, you guys know uh, Clint Parks. Clint was, came up to the gym often, and he worked with uh, him and Tony Snell. And the biggest thing for Kawhi, like I said, man, he was just more so of a, just a worker. He wasn't really about the nonsense, and he wasn't about the hoopla and anything like that. He just got his work done. Uh, Coach Bryant, um Obviously, Kawhi came over for Canyon Springs, and I know Coach Sweeney said he had mentioned to his father, I think I really got something here. This kid is could be really special. What Did you kind of have that sentiment? What did you think when you first, you know, he came over? Obviously, he wasn't a big-time player at Canyon Springs, but it doesn't mean he has talent. What, what was your assessment when he joined the team as a junior? Honestly, uh, people don't know this, but we had a couple games where Kawhi couldn't miss from the three-point line, and... The one thing I kind of just told Kawhi, I said, hey, look, man, he was just one of those guys where I said, play defense. Play defense and rebound the ball. And he was really good at that. Um, he got to a point where he just kind of mastered that, and that was a good thing for him. But that's 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 what he was. I mean, everybody, you know, Coach Sweeney said that he kind of knew he had something. But, you know, I, I kept watching him, um, kept watching Of course, that team was kind of loaded with Eric Wise and those guys like that. But, I mean, when you watch Kawhi, you just knew, like, defensively, he was just, he was a matchup nightmare. He can guard anybody from one to five, and that was big for him. And then kind of, like, as you guys saw, I carried over from high school to college and then, of course, now into the NBA. So, you know, for him, it, you know, that was, like, his claim to fame, like, defense and just rebounding. And he got easy buckets. I mean, I, as you guys know, when we beat modern day in the championship, I think his stat line might have ran, like, 10 or 11 points when he had, like, 22 rebounds, six blocks. He was everywhere. So that was the that was the difference in the game, honestly. Um, with Kawhi, he just did all the dirty work. He did. He was a detailed guy, and he just wanted to get the win. He didn't care how it looked. Deshaun, a lot of people are surprised uh, from where he was in high school to where he went to college at San Diego State to now becoming one of the top two players in the world alongside LeBron James. Um, what are maybe some of the biggest uh, uh, things he worked on and took his game to the next level to to get to where he is now, compared to what he was in high school? He just—he was just fundamentally sound. Okay. I mean, he—he he, he wasn't the guy that said, "Our captain worked on this combo and that combo." He just worked on, you know, the basic mechanics of his shot, uh, his ball handling. As you guys, you know, you, you saw it progress over the years, and you know, the knock was—it's <laughs> funny because the knock was that people were saying he was—he was undersized, he couldn't get it done, but he just didn't listen to it. He just kept working on the details, the small things, and. 
I mean, same things he's doing uh, now, he's, he's been doing. I mean, he's just at a higher level now, and he just develops really good habits. And, um, you know, aside, you know, he's just a, he's a good person. I mean, every time I see him, every time I talk to him, he's, he's always asking about how I'm doing. We don't really talk about basketball. Um, he asks about my son often. He asks about how I'm doing. So, it, I mean, those, those things are a testament to his character. But he's just always worked. I like the fundamentals. He wasn't really a flashy, he's never been a flashy guy. I mean, once he got to the rim, of course, he started to tear the rim off. But for him, he was just like, you know, I'm going to work on my ball handling, you know, the, the basic footwork stuff. So he, I mean, like I said, he was just that guy, and he's kind of just carried it over uh, until now. Uh, Coach, um, you know, all these people thought they had all this information. Now everybody thinks they have the answers. Everybody is an expert on social media. You know, uh, you know what did you think when he – went to the Clippers, what was your reaction? And is that any surprise or, you know, people think obviously they have to justify them coming on TV and stuff. But what do you think of that? People saying what they did and then him ultimately choosing to go to the Clippers. Uh, when he chose it, I was honestly, I was happy. Uh, I, I personally was happy. I kind of felt a relief. I kind of felt like the NBA was back to where it should be, uh, which was the equal balance. The Paul George thing threw everybody off. But Kawhi being a Clipper uh, was huge. He, I mean, he's back home. You know, he's part of a, a great organization. I mean, of course, Jerry West is uh, leading that show over there. So, for him, I thought it was a great move. Um, I honestly thought he was going to go back to Toronto. Uh, but, I mean, him making that move to, to come to the Clippers, I mean, I think that just shows you that, hey, you know what? Create your own path. Like, do what you're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, you, you, get a, you get an opportunity to kind of, like I said, create your own path. But for him, I mean, I think it's a great move, um, and he's just always been a guy. Like he's always going to go against the grain. He's going he's gonna to do what he uh, what he knows is right and what he kind of wants to do. And it's funny because you know I had a lot of friends reach out to me asking, "Hey, what is he going to do? What is he going to do?" And honestly, I was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I had like a couple opinions, but for him, he just that was you know I, I thought that was a great move for him. Coach Bryant, we appreciate the insight on the Kawhi Leonard situation and him as a high school player and in the NBA as well. I can't wait to come back to Fountain Valley and torch you in open runs as I always do. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. <laughs> he ain't gonna, he's not going to entertain the nonsense. You're not going to entertain the nonsense? <laughs> I'm not, man. I'm come not, on, dude. No. Uh, oh, my. No? Nothing? I didn't get you on that? No, you didn't get me on that. Oh, damn. Okay, Deshaun Bryant, head coach, Fountain Valley High School. Uh, Ronnie. What he said about Kawhi, is that what you noticed when you saw him play in high school? Yeah. Um, I'd known that he was at Canyon Springs. Again, I didn't know too much about his game. And when he came over, uh, I talked to Coach Sweeney halfway through the season, and I obviously talked to him after his father was murdered. His father, Mark, was murdered uh, in January, early January 2008. Um, so it would have been 07-08 season. And he told me, Ronnie, this guy was shooting the leather off the ball. He's shooting 48%, 46% from three. And I remember that game, and he had a blank look on his face. And Russell Otis was coaching on the other side. It was one, two or the three, three or four of the best teams in the state playing each other. Uh -huh. You know, I don't remember the state rankings off the top of my head, but they were both in the top five. Right. It was a big game. It was a big game at Poly Pavilion. It was the Dino's uh, Pango Stream Classic. And he goes, Ronnie, this guy's been really shooting well. You know, and uh, you can say, I said, man, he's six six. He's he. That's a good wing. He looked like a wing to me. Okay, I a lot of people, he, a lot of people consider him an undersized four. Was yeah, the... I kind of saw him as a wing. He guard. You know, I was like, who's he's guarding? Jordan Hamilton. He's trying to guard. He's not an inside player. Just 
you know, using his chest, using his Or like, his like the football players who come play basketball and set screens and get no, rebounds and, and no. beat people up. He wasn't that kind of player, no, right? No, he was on the outside, especially his junior year. And um, he did shoot not good that game, and he didn't shoot that good as the season went off. But, you know, he, he probably was a little distracted, tired, you know. Sure. Going through the motions. Uh, I do remember I wanted to talk to him after the game, and I didn't want to ask him about his dad. I just want to say, hey, you know, what's your mindset to play today? And then the game ended, and uh, he kind of went to the corner. I just remember him going under the bleachers at Poly Pavilion. He was kind of crying. He was, he didn't feel too good. And I said, you know what? I remember. I don't know if I told anybody else, Dinos or Frank or him. I said, I'm not going to even go over there. Yeah. with Eric Sondheimer. I said, I'm just going to leave him alone. Yeah. I all I need to see. Like he was broken down a little bit, you know. Yeah. And after the game, not during the game. Right. During the game, he was just going to playing, you know, and. Uh, you know, was like, man, that kid has a lot of character. And they did put it on. They did do good enough. They went to the regional final. Uh, the regional final, um, oh, 07, oh, 08, uh, they lost to Dominguez again, uh, Jordan Hamilton and them. And then Jordan Hamilton then lost to Will Cherry and McClyman's in the, in the state final. McClyman was undefeated. I, I do remember that. So, uh Taft had a really good team at that time with with Drew with Larry Drew and that group they were very good, and um, you know you could see that he was going to be a, a a good prospect. How good I don't know. I said yeah, he's a top ten player in the state or close to that. So it's interesting. I want to bring up going into that summer. Again, we're talking about the guys who got all the accolades. Jason Hart mentioned that. So Bernardo Sidney was considered one of the best prospects in the country. He had a terrific sophomore year playing with James Harden and Artesia. Junior year at Fairfax was kind of a lot. It was kind of becoming a big production. Um, Fairfax didn't win the city. They didn't win the state, obviously. As we mentioned, McClyman's won state over Dominguez. Um, going into that summer, Ronaldo had a chance to be the number one player in, in the class. Or maybe some other in guys. The in the country. In, yeah. Now, maybe some other guys already knew. Probably Frank and some other guys that say, ah, you know, he's not. Okay. But to the greater audience. Based still, on reputation, what, they knew, what, what they've they seen. Right. Yeah, he still had that chance. It was... You know, Derek Favors, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, a few guards came on. I remember at the Kobe Bryant Skills Academy, Abdul Ghadi and Avery Bradley were, were doing really good. Okay. You know, they had kind of come on as prospects, and, and Avery was going to go to Finley Prep. They were they were um, Washington kids, Tacoma, I believe. Tacoma or, or, or Seattle kids, whatnot. Tacoma, cast Seattle. Um, so, you know, Ka Kawhi wasn't there mm -hmm. at that level. So... Very interesting. He's on the dream team the, most of the summer, and um, that was the club team, right? LA correct. Dream the team LA with dream Renardo team. Sydney. Correct. When Renardo Sydney was kind of the quote unquote the star. His father was coaching. His father had a deal with Reebok at the time through Sonny Vaccaro. So again, he had a, some good players with them: Solomon Hill, uh, Kawhi, a few other guys. And it's very interesting because I mentioned on on social media, kind of where, as people were trying to figure out, I'm like Kawhi's always been a little mysterious to the bigger group of people. Obviously not to Deshaun, Coach Sweeney, those guys right. who had Clint Parks, they they knew his makeup where he was going. But to the greater public, it was like, who is this guy on the dream team? Is he D one? You know, where is that so it's interesting. I, I was talking to Shay Dawson who played at uh, Robert Morris College. She was kind of the, the manager of that team. She now works for the Philadelphia 76ers. Manager of the LA Dream team. Correct. Okay. She was the manager of the LA Dream team. So she traveled with them. Yeah. yeah. Malcolm Thomas's sister. Okay. And I go, I go, Shay, did um, do you remember a Solomon wearing cornrows a little bit? 
or am I losing my mind here 10 years later? And, and I, I goes, I know Kawhi had cornrows. And she goes, no, yeah, Solomon did have cornrows or a little s- small fro. I go, so people did confuse those two at times because, and I know some people are saying, well, how are they getting confused? Well, if you don't know what either one looks like, the, the Costco's didn't know what either one looked like. Sure, it's not nowadays where, like we've yeah. mentioned social media, where there's highlight there's videos, some, yeah. uh, mug shots uh, that reporters take yeah. all over the place. Or yeah, so if Max you preps, you can find things. Yeah, if you didn't know all that, if you didn't really dig into it, you could say, okay, number 15 is uh, Solomon Hill, and, and number 21 is Kawhi Leonard. These it could days, be switched. Right, these days, the yeah. rosters are still... Messed up. Messed up. Like so they were back then, then yeah. I'm sure they were still messed up. Correct. And and Renardo Sidney's like, yeah, here's here's the jersey. <laughs> Big right. Renardo's like, Big, right. here's the damn jersey. Right. I don't care what put number you're wearing. I don't give a shit right. what number you guys are wearing. Put the damn things on. We're ready to roll. That's right. Renardo, Big Renardo's how he operated. Right. You know? So um, initially, it was a couple guys could get those guys. And they did get them confused. Whoa. Oh, look at uh, Solomon Hill. Well, you're oh, watching. Solomon Hill's got a great pull-up. Yeah. He's a great rebounder for his position. Yeah. But you're watching. Kawhi. Yeah. You know, so it happened a couple of times. And I remember uh, Shade told me that the one tournament where he started getting real attention was the uh, Rumble in the Bay. Freitas' Rumble in the Bay at the time. Who? Who? Uh, Who? Yeah, the Rumble in the Bay. Who, you know. who is this Freitas character? Yeah, anyway, that was his <laughs> event at the, the Rumble in the Bay. was a good showing for him. And then as the summer winds out, you know, he's playing pretty well. Obviously, uh, you go into the, to the fall, and... Uh, Frank at the time was working for the Long Beach Press Telegram, and he had this thing where he created in the late 70s the best in the West. It was very well respected. He got a lot of West Coast scouts and some national scouts to vote on the West's best prospects. So this is going into late October, early November of 2008, which is going into Kawhi's senior year. So again, you had all that opportunity to see him. You had the junior year to see him. Mm-hmm. You had the dream Summer. team to yep. see him. And I think he was with the pumps for a little while. And they the pumps yeah. back then were yeah. rolling, right? Yeah, they had the every coach courtside. Yeah, the pumps he was on the pumps for a while. I, I don't know recall the details. We'd have to ask Clint or somebody else. Paul George played for the pumps yeah. too, right? Yeah, the Paul second George team. the second team. And so did Clay Thompson. So there was a lot of action there. So it's funny, we I'm looking at Frank's best in the West team now. And again, Abdul Ghadi, who was at Ballerman of Tacoma, kind of closed strong. He was uh, well known. So let's look at these results. He finished, he finished number one in yeah. points in, in the voting system. Yeah, in the voting system. It's kind of like my Mr. Basketball USA tracker a little bit. Right. And, and it's funny on this list, as you're looking at it, Devin, as my witness, he's Kawhi's 28th on this list. 28th, yeah. Let's look so, at some of the names in front of him real quick. We got. Um, Let's just go down the line. Abdul Ghadi, Renardo Sidney. This is in order. Uh, Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley. Michael Snayer. Yep. Yeah. Tyler Honeycutt. Jordan Hamilton. Travis Ware. David Ware. Hollis Thompson. Peyton Siva. Reeves Nelson. Elijah Johnson from Las Vegas Cheyenne. Good prospect. Anthony, Anthony Marshall from La, uh, Las Vegas Mojave. Mike Mosier from Portland, Oregon Grant. Solomon Hill, who we mentioned. Yeah. And now we get into the second team. That was the first team. Roberto Nelson. Brendan Lane. Anthony Stover. Greg Smith. Victor Rudd. Aaron Dodson, Derek Williams, Joe Burton, Darius Morris, Demetrius Walker, Brandon Davies, Xavier Thomas, Kawhi Leonard. Wow. So that just goes to show you, I, to be honest, on my ballot, you know, other people voted, um, I had him 10th or 11th, which is <laughs> still laughable low. Right. But I didn't have him 28th. Okay. You know, so it's very interesting how that all worked out. You know, Kawhi's a two-time NBA champ, two-time MVP on two different teams. Right. Now he's going to the Clippers. He could do it a third time. If he does it, if he does it, so I'm a, I'm a Laker guy. I've been a Laker guy my whole yeah. life. Yeah. Um, if he does that for the Clippers, then 
I mean, he's got to be up there as one of the greatest players of all time, as he probably already is. Wow. Um, but we can dive into this more in another pod. We've gone on way too long. Dev Nugent and Ronnie Flores, another episode of the In the Paint Show is in the books. We appreciate you guys listening in. Please subscribe on uh, iTunes, download us on SoundCloud, whatever you can do. We appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next week.